Welcome to The Healing Ground Movement, a podcast dedicated to revolutionizing how we think about our bodies and our health. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, DC, and I have lived my life in pursuit of holistic healing and care that goes beyond symptom management. If you've been listening and like what you're hearing, head over to your favorite platform and leave us a review so we can reach more people with our important message. Enjoy today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Healing Ground Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Carly Hudson, and with me today, I have Dr. Jen Palmer. Now, Dr. Jen and I have been doing a couple webinars together over the last year for Charlotte's Web, a CBD product that I can't recommend enough. It's one of my favorites on the market, and she has agreed to come and join us today from Florida, as it turns out. She moved from Colorado (laughs) just recently, I guess, um, to talk with us about it. So here's a little background on Dr. Jen before we get started. She is an ND and the Director of Education for Charlotte's Web and CBD Clinic. She is a naturopathic doctor with 20 years of experience in the dietary supplement industry and integrative medicine profession. As a graduate of Bastyr University, she is passionate about sharing her knowledge about natural medicine through writing and speaking to consumers, retailers, and physicians. She recently created a one-year herbal certification CME program for physicians and authored Berberine. I can never say Berberine. I should have seen that one coming. Everything you didn't know. Did I say that wrong, Dr. Jen? You said it correctly. (laughs) I had flashbacks to school. I'm like, oh, not this word again. Um, (laughs) It was published by Woodland Publishing among, among her other writings. Her dedication to educating on the health benefits of CBD started when she used hemp extract to successfully support her dog's health. Thank you, Dr. Jen. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks for inviting me, Carly. I like that I'm on the other side of the equation here where you're asking me questions and it's been such a pleasure to work with you recently and I'm so glad we made our acquaintances and you've just been such a wonderful um, person to speak about CBD and your experiences with it so we thank you for your help. Oh thank you yeah I guess yeah we I, you, I get to ask you the questions now the tables yeah. have it ready. Uh, well, I think we have a couple of backstories to hear. One of them is about Charlotte's Web itself, which was based here in color is based here in Colorado and has a beautiful origin. But before that, I want to hear more about your start with hemp and your dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so um, many years ago, I before I really knew much about CBD, because there's the interesting thing. I'm a naturopathic doctor but we never learned about the endocannabinoid system in school. We never talked about CBD or even cannabis compounds at all. So mm-hmm. we were, you know, we're kind of in the dark. So we, most people are learning about it on their own long after graduation. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't know about it, but my, I had a, I have a little dog and he started to have seizures and they were initially just like those minor tonic seizures where he just kind of stiffens and they would only happen, you know, rarely. And mm-hmm. then as what happens with epilepsy is uh, you get this kindling effect and they start to ramp up over time. Um, I guess it's because the electrical stimulation just becomes like aggregates over time. And so um, we hit a point where I couldn't really ignore it anymore. And I knew I had to do something because they were becoming more frequent and, you know, much more severe. And so uh, we, 
I did some research, of course, and looking for natural options because I'm a naturopath. I didn't want to put them on those really powerful seizure drugs. Mm-hmm. And so I did learn, you know, about the cannabis compounds and CBD and how it has really, it's actually a approved drug for epilepsy. So I decided to experiment on my dog and I got some CBD and tried it. Um, I consulted with my vet first, which I do recommend. And she kind of gave me some guideposts and she didn't have any experience with it, but she was really open-minded about it. So uh, it turned out that worked really well. And it really um, uh, diminished the frequency so that instead of, I think he got to the point where he's having at least once a month, a very severe, severe seizure. Um, so it got to the point where it was maybe once every four or five months and they were really minor, um, short lived, you know, not where he's flailing around or anything. Um, so it really got things under control very safely and effectively. And so that's been helping him for the past few years. So I got really interested, like, wow, this stuff really works. You know, as a naturopath, I've used a lot of vitamins and nutrients and herbs, and they don't often have like an impact immediately of something that powerful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's usually something you do over time and they like slowly support your health and it may not be very noticeable, but with the CBD, it was just so you know obvious and strong and fast acting. So I got really interested in it. I started studying and reading about it and, you know, kind of fell in love with the concept of it. And eventually just said, you know, this is what I want to focus my career on. So eventually started working with Charlotte's Web. That's fantastic. And I'm glad that you brought up, I mean, so that the epilepsy with your dog is going to, you know, dovetail nicely into the beginnings of Charlotte's Web as well. But seeing something that is that fast acting and has that big of an impact on our system is just incredible. And, you know, when you mentioned that even in naturopathic school, it's not anything that you learned about. And we've talked about in our other webinars, same thing with my chiropractic education. We learn all of these phenomenal systems of the body. And I completed my chiropractic education in 2015, not all that long ago. And it was still not even mentioned or touched on it. I had to do all of my research and education on it um, as part of continuing ed. And even at the beginning, it wasn't CE approved. It was just that casual inquiry that we have to do for ourselves so often with alternative medicines. And to put that into context, imagine going through like medical school and nobody ever talks about the cardiovascular system. They just like left that out of your education and you graduate and then you're like, oh, I heard there was this thing called a heart in the blood vessel. <laughs> I mean, it's that, it's that major to leave out and not talk about this part of our body when we already know that it exists. And, you know, it's not like somebody's questioning it or it's theoretical. It's like firm physiology that's been proven. And for some reason, we're just not learning about it. <laughs> Well, and I think a lot of that goes and ties into a lot of the stigma that is still associated with, well, so to be to be very clear here as we go forward in our conversation, there is a lot of stigma still associated with marijuana, even as it becomes legalized across the country. But CBD clinic, Charlotte's Web, these medicinal supplements of CBD are hemp, which means that they don't have the levels of THC that would classify them as marijuana give that psychedelic experience. Yet, because they come from the same plant, there is still this very taboo situation around it. 
Yeah, it's really silly, isn't it? Yeah, I was like, so we're just going to ignore this whole system in your body because we don't want you to think about getting high. (laughs) (laughs) So we're not talking about getting high. We're talking about regulating a really important system in our body called the endocannabinoid system, which I think, you know, we'll we'll kind of put the origins of Charlotte's Web on, on a side note for the moment, because as we've talked about it, I think this is a system that most of our listeners probably have never heard of before. So could you tell us what on earth is this endocannabinoid system and why should we care? Sure. We have so much to talk about. I just want to (laughs) say it all at once. (laughs) Everything. (laughs) Yeah. So this endocannabinoid system is what we were referring to as not being taught in medical school. And it's just another system of the body, just like the neurological system and the endocrine system and the cardiovascular system, we have this endocannabinoid system. And it's so important that I actually call it the the, uh, master switchboard because it interacts with all of these other systems that I just mentioned in our body. And it basically helps create homeostasis or balance. And the really interesting thing about the endocannabinoid system is it's like a lock and key kind of system. There's receptors and they're located throughout our body on all these different systems. And then there's these keys, which are the endocannabinoids, and that's what our body makes. So our body makes endocannabinoids, which are very, very similar chemical structure as the compounds in plants, uh, cannabis. So just like the plant-based cannabinoids, like CBD and THC, our body makes something very similar. And all those compounds all interact with these same receptors of this endocannabinoid system. And so I like to say, like, because we have receptors for these compounds from this plant, we must, you know, be designed as humans to need or, you know, be able to utilize the cannabis or hemp plants Um, because we just are naturally uh, adapted for that. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't make enough of these endocannabinoids in our own body, then, you know, we have this plant to fall back on to supplement with. Just like if we don't make enough vitamin D, we can take vitamin D pills. Yeah, Um, it's all part of keeping us healthy and keeping us in balance. And I think that's a really good point to start drawing these parallels because there are a lot of things that are endogenous. And, And so endogenous is a word that means we create it within our own body. So we synthesize vitamin D within our own body through our liver, but there's a lot of reasons why we might not be able to do that. We process a lot of vitamin B that comes through our food, but there are genetic variations that mean maybe you can't use that properly. So you can't do something called methylation. So you have to consume it already methylated. Well, the cannabinoid system may have that same impact. And as there's so much more research still coming out on it, we're gonna understand the nuances of the why and the what fors, but essentially some of us may not produce enough internally or may not process it well. And those deficiencies can lead to a whole host of issues because as Dr. Jen said, they, this is the homeostasis. This is the regulatory pathway of our whole body kind of keeping us in balance. So what are some things that can happen if our endocannabinoid system is not being supported appropriately? Yeah, so um, the, well, let me first tell you what the names are the two endocannabinoids that we know the most about are anandamide and 2-AG. And they kind of have similar effects, but anandamide is also called the bliss molecule. So that kind of gives you a little hint of what does that endocannabinoid do. It helps us feel calm and centered and focused. 
Um, so it helps. Um, it's something that we secrete a lot of when we're doing things like meditation or yoga. Um, and when we get that nice calming effect. So we all know, like if you go running, you get what we call runner's high and people have always said, oh, that's the endorphins that are making you feel good. But it's also actually these endocannabinoids being secreted as a result of the exercise or the meditation or the yoga. And so they're kind of like endorphins. They make us feel really calm and, and normal um, and they help balance. So if we're in a situation where we're getting a lot of stress and anxiety, um, we've got these excitatory neurotransmitters being pumped out and they're causing us to feel anxious and our blood pressure is going high and our heart rate's elevated. Um, that's where these anandamide would jump in and help uh, give a feedback signal to these neurotransmitter productions and say, hey, whoa, slow down. Like you are really like overdoing it right now and we need to go back to balance. Mm -hmm. And so theoretically, if we make enough of these endocannabinoids, they help get our nervous system back in balance and that helps us stay calm so we don't, you know, have a heart attack <laughs> from anxiety <laughs> and stress. Well, um, so the regulation piece, something that we didn't mention in the system originally that I think is super cool about endocannabinoid system in our body is that, you know, you may not know, but most of the systems in our body have a feed forward where there's a whole cycle that you have to go through. You know, the, the nerve crosses the synapse going one direction, but the endocannabinoid system, because they're a regulator, they're kind of like the busy body at the party that's going to person A and then going back to person B and saying, they're not liking this very much. Like, okay, and I'll go back over here. And they are really popping everywhere to regulate. Yeah, I love that analogy, the busybody at the party. <laughs> I'm going to go over here and regulate, but I'm going to talk to the host and make sure you have enough snacks. Do you have enough snacks? Okay, I'll be back. And they're just running everywhere. They're not headed one direction and waiting for a cycle to complete. Yep, exactly. About that regulation, that's, that's how they do it in a very colorful way. I'm sure the physiology is a little different. <laughs> And they also help, you know, regulate, we know we secrete a lot of excess cortisol when we're under stress. And I'm sure you've talked to your patients about how excess cortisol chronically over time can cause a lot of different health problems and diseases um, and, you know, across the board. And so these anandamide endocannabinoids, they help reduce that too. So it doesn't have such a negative impact on us. Um, and so you might say, well, why do we need cannabis if we already have this whole system in place? But just like, you know, all of our other systems, sometimes it doesn't function that well. Mm -hmm. And things like uh, chronic stress for the past year of having quarantine and COVID <laughs> and political unrest, uh, all these things of all this constant stress is actually hurting our endocannabinoid system. And so it's damaging the receptors, it's damaging the amount of cannabinoids we're making in our body. Um, some of the other things like uh, we're all turning to a little extra drink every night, <laughs> that's, that's impacting our endocannabinoid system. Maybe we're not eating right, maybe we're turning to a lot of junk food and sweets. Um, all these things are damaging our natural ability to create our own balance. And that's kind of leaving people feeling on edge a lot more because we are losing the capacity to regulate ourselves, especially as this goes on and on and on over time. Um, and so that's where we can supplement with something like CBD to make up for that uh, deficiency in the endocannabinoid production. 
Um, and that's why people turn to it for stress and anxiety and calming and things like that. Yeah, and all of the impact of alcohol and sugary, bad food choices, not moving, not meditating, breathing, it, the fact that these are not good for our health and make us feel cruddier over time, poor sleep, um, to add to that list, that's not new news. But the physiology of the why, you know, yeah. that's what we're here to talk about today is that, that this this has been a long held belief and understanding, but now we have a mechanism to talk about how to come back from it, aside from changing your alcohol and food habits as well. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, it gives you the right reasons and to understand that and why you do need to practice a little healthier lifestyle. Yeah. Going that way. Because <laughs> <laughs> it impacts an important system in our body. Yeah. So we talked about the anandamide, um, the bliss molecule. So what was the, the second type of uh, molecule within that um, endocannabinoid? Uh, 2-AG is the other one that's um, been researched. Um, and so I, there probably are other endocannabinoids that we just haven't really discovered yet, but those are the two main ones. And the 2-AG um, the has got some similar overlapping properties, but it also is really good for um, helping keep inflammation in check. Mm. And we all know that that's a big problem. Um, again, going back to the lifestyle things, which cause inflammation in our body. And we know that inflammation can cause a lot of health conditions that were very, very common, like joint pain and neurodegenerative diseases and things like that. And so that endocannabinoid is one of those things that help keep inflammation in check. And again, the same problems when we're, you know, impacting our endocannabinoid production it's allowing that inflammation to escalate and causing us more problems. So it's this whole breakdown of a regulatory system that is meant to um, you know, sustain a positive affect, sustain that kind of peaceful carry through with that anandamide, okay, this is gonna be a day, anandamide uh, molecule, but also um, the impacts of inflammation. How can deficiencies in the endocannabinoid system be at the root of a lot of health issues then? Yeah, so there's this uh, theory. It's still a theory because we don't, you know, accept anything until there's a thousand research studies on it. <laughs> but um, Ethan Russo, who is one of like the top cannabis experts, researchers, I highly recommend reading uh, anything he's written. Um, he has this theory that I think is really valid that um, there's something called the endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. And he links it back to a lot of the like chronic long-term, not sure where these came from diseases. Um, so if you think about something like chronic fatigue syndrome or um, some of the neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, um, we, we're, there are things that like you may go to the doctor and they don't have a solution for you. There's no drug for it because they don't really understand what's causing it. And he's looping it back to, well, maybe these are all rooted in not making enough endocannabinoids. Maybe that person's been having a lifelong problem with that. Mm -hmm. And so um, when we look at some of these conditions, you know, as a naturopath, we tend to get a lot of patients who come to us who have had a disease of chronic condition for 10, 20 years, and nobody's been able to help them. They've been to doctor after doctor. Those are the people that we need to like go back and go, wait, did anyone talk about the endocannabinoid system? Did anyone try to address that and fix that? Because that may be some of the underlying problem that we're all missing, that missing piece of the puzzle to help these people with chronic illnesses 
finally like get over the hump. You know, we as naturopaths, we do have tools for chronic fatigue syndrome and we can help people get progressively better, but it always feels like there's like just not quite full resolution. Mm -hmm. And so I just urge clinicians or you going to your doctor to say like, hey, let's look at this piece of the puzzle and see if we can work on that and optimize our own production of endocannabinoids and throw in some extra cannabinoids and see if we can get some resolution because there has been evidence, you know, anecdotally that people have achieved um, better outcomes by taking things like CBD. Um, and we just don't have enough research to prove it. So doctors have to kind of go on their own mm -hmm. on a limb and, and experiment with it themselves to get some more information from that. Yeah, and I think it's worth pointing out again that just as we talked about at the beginning of our recording, that you know we're still not learning about it in our schools. Our, our alternative practices of naturopathy and chiropractic um, still aren't teaching it within the last ten years, and it takes even more research um, to get it into schools with um, a traditional medical background. Mm -hmm. And so, as we talked about in the past, with going to your MDs with nutrition questions you know, when they're coming off of 10 hours of nutritional and dietary education, that's not going to be the best resource. So you're really going to have to be an advocate to find a doctor, to find a resource who understands the endocannabinoid system because it really is a self-directed specialty at this time. And so just because a traditionally trained uh, doctor of any background doesn't know anything about it, doesn't mean that there isn't something to be known about it. They're just not your person. Yeah, I do. It does get discouraging when you hear um, people say, well, I talked to my doctor about that and they said that can't be it. And mm -hmm. it's like, well, is that because they don't know about it? So therefore they're saying <laughs> it can't be the problem because they don't know. Um, you know, so you do have to find somebody who is going to be willing to look into that for you or has experience with that. Yeah. And um, there are getting to be more and more physicians that are learning about this and, and even the pharmacists now, you know, that's kind of interesting. You would think pharmacists must know a lot about this because it, you know, endocannabinoid system and it's kind of a medication in a way. Um, it is an approved drug, Pedialex. And so you would think pharmacists would know something about it. But my experience so far with training pharmacists is about 2% mm, of them have any background in it. And so they're all still learning from the beginning. So, you know, the people listening to this recording might know more than their pharmacist and their doctor <laughs> by yeah. the end of this. You know, when you just dip your toe in the water, that's already having done much more than, you know, than a lot of people. And yeah. I, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you're um, doing training with pharmacists because as we've talked about in our other webinars, you know, the, the pathway through which uh, CBD, the uh, um, exogenous, the ones that we take from plants is processed within our body follows the same pathways in our liver the details aren't important for this content, but follows the same pathways in our liver as some of the prescriptive medications that your pharmacist or your MD may be recommending. So there's a lot of information to layer, um, particularly if you have a complicated health history or complicated medicine cabinet. That's so, okay. so um, but as we're talking about how it's becoming much more common, a lot of that had to do with the passing of the farm bill which was just within the last year or two, if I'm remembering correctly. Can you tell yeah. us the nuance and, and that kind of ties into misconceptions about CBD, marijuana, THC, um, you know, all, all of that wild concept. Can, yeah, can you so, tell us a story there? 
Um, the 2018 Farm Bill uh, was included the legalization of growing hemp. And um, before that, hemp was classified, maybe I should back up even one step more. Hemp is considered, hemp and marijuana are the same plant, they're cannabis. People do get confused about that. It took me like six months to wrap my head around that. <laughs> um, and a little pie chart. Yeah. So, so, so hemp. Go over it. it hemp and cat, hemp and marijuana all have like similar compounds floating around in them, but hemp has to have less than 0.3% THC. Marijuana, anything over that, and it tends to have more like 25, 30% THC. And um, THC is the compound that interacts with our central nervous system primarily, giving that high or low, depending on you know, depending on what how much you take or what kind you take. That's that's the reefer madness uh, reference is the TH. Yeah, reefer madness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so hemp doesn't do yeah. that. Mm -hmm. Hemp is such a small amount, it doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, as you know, or may have known, the marijuana is a schedule one controlled substance mm -hmm. uh, by the DEA. So you're, you know, that means um, that they're, they don't research it. That means, you know, it's illegal. Um, so they took hemp off of that schedule one controlled substance list and they made hemp legal to grow in all 50 states. Um, now it was an agriculture bill, so it was about the plant. And so it got a little bit dicey when we started talking about CBD because we know that hemp is the richest source of the CBD and it's grown for abundant amounts of that. So the, that farm bill didn't really say CBD is legal everywhere. It said hemp is legal everywhere. And so most people took that as saying CBD is legal. And so it became you know, popular <clears throat> in the health food stores and we're selling it as a dietary supplement now. Um, and so, and then it was taken off that DEA list and so it became legalized. And, but the, there is still a little bit of confusion left in this, States because now it's become a state decision um, mm -hmm. because the federal government did not declare CBD is a dietary supplement yet. They've been holding back on doing that, which has caused a lot of frustration. And so it's kind of left it open to some of the states making their own decisions. And that's where you get these little weird incidences of like this health food store had to pull it off their shelves mm -hmm. or you know, this county came in and told people they couldn't sell it. Um, it's happening more, it's happening in just like little pockets around the country. It's pretty unusual still, but um, it's actually happening more in California where the cannabis industry is so strong, they didn't want the CBD people to compete with them. And ah. so they're, ironically, they're putting up the biggest fuss about CBD. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't know that because I knew that um, at least in some areas, Utah is still a pocket where hemp is legal, but CBD is not. So like the topical CBD clinic is not as easily transferable to that state compared to others, but I didn't yeah. know. There's some <laughs> weird little pockets there, but in general, it is considered legal. Um, it doesn't get you high because it doesn't have very much THC in it. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's, it's pretty, it's very safe to use, except for, like you said, if there's a lot of medications in your daily you know, program, you should talk to a pharmacist or a physician who's knowledgeable about, you know, potential interactions, because there is a small subset of drugs that could interact with CBD. And 
Uh, that doesn't mean you can't take it. Mm -hmm. It means that you just have to tweak your uh, amount that you're taking of your medication or of your CBD. It's not like a you know, simple explanation by any means, but um, there's ways to balance so that you can continue with your CBD and you can continue with your medication together safely. Um, but other than that, um, it's something that you can safely take. Because what happens is that it, it's competing to be uh, digested and processed. And so CBD in many cases will outcompete your drug. So it will become less effective, which particularly if it's a heart medication, that's not something we want to be less effective all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, it is that doses, dosage and timing that we'd want to consider. And interestingly, it sometimes tweaks the metabolizing enzymes the other direction so that you have to cut back on the amount of medication you're taking. And so it's, you know, not a straightforward story whatsoever. So it's always good to like do a little more research about that. Perfect. Thank you for bringing that up. And again, none of this is recommendation. Neither one of us is uh, licensed to give pharmaceutical. We are providing basic physiological information for you to take to your doctor. Just yes. to be clear. All right, so, so continuing on these misconceptions about CBD then, we talked about, you know, so it's not gonna get you high. Um, it is hemp that has been legalized across the board and CBD is sort of figuring it out state by state. What are other, some other misconceptions about CBD that still remain today that you see? Um, maybe not a misconception, but a concern is people say, ask if they can potentially be test positive on a THC drug test. Mm -hmm. And the answer is, uh, yes, it's possible. Um, if you're using a full spectrum hemp extract, which is my favorite kind, and that's what Charlotte's Web makes, it means we are pulling out all of the compounds that the hemp plant is producing. And like I said, it has, you know, less than 0.3% THC, but there is going to be a little bit of THC in that product. And it's also, there's also going to be all these other phytocannabinoids and terpenes, which are like those aromatic compounds that plants exude and give them the smell, um, and then flavonoids and essential fatty acids and things like that. Um, so that little teeny bit of THC could potentially, in some cases, um, build up in the system. It really depends on like how your metabolism is, your, your genetics of how your body handles THC, uh, what's your weight, how often do you take it, how much do you take? All these factors come into it and uh, you know given the right factors you might test positive um, or you might not so we always tell people to be careful about that if your job is really um, hinging on you know a drug test you may prefer to take something that you know has no THC in it or use the topical version because the topical creams you can um, get some benefits in the local areas without absorbing the THC and the CBD into the bloodstream. So you therefore couldn't test positive using something topically. And that's always a nice way to start if you're brand new to the whole CBD um, category as well. Fantastic, uh, really important pieces to bring up. And again, this is all very highly personalized. There aren't a lot of tests, there aren't any tests to assess where your endocannabinoid system is and how deficient it is. So it really is a little bit of personal regulation and personal dosing. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, people ask me that, can I just go get a test and see if I need to take this? And um, we don't, there isn't really one developed. There's one that they have for research purposes only. Um, but the endocannabinoids that our body produces are very short lived. And so they're usually produced on demand in response to a need. And then they get 
you know, they do their job and then they get metabolized and broken down and excreted pretty quickly. And so it'd be really hard to measure them unless it was like in that exact moment. Um, so that's why it works in a research study, but you can't really just send someone off to Quest to get their endocannabinoids because it's just going to be based on what's happening at that instant, not what's happening overall. Um, but the CBD, when you take it as a supplement, it does stay in your body a lot longer, um, probably about eight to 12 hours. So that's something that um, has a longer term effect, which is nice. And because it's not like a full 24 hours, we do recommend taking it twice a day if you kind of need it uh, around the clock. Yeah. Well, and that's good to keep in mind about the snapshot in time. And there's a lot of other systems that we're starting to appreciate from that lens as well. So just, I, it's kind of my effort here to normalize uh, this endocannabinoid system that is so radically new, but really not. Um, <laughs> but we're really appreciating that our hormones and our thyroid, these are also things that are adrenals that put out a certain level for a snapshot moment in time. And so if you're having you know, an issue falling asleep and, and you test these levels at the wrong period of the day, you're not going to get the real representation of what you need. And it sounds like endocannabinoids are in effect the same thing. You know, If you're not yeah. tested based on the need, you could look normal and still you know, be crashing in whatever way. Yeah, that's a really great point. It, it is like a lot like cortisol for instance. Mm -hmm. That's why they make you collect your urine for 24 hours and then they test it. Put that well-labeled jug in the fridge. <laughs> it's horrible. <laughs> All right, well, so with the um, passing of the Farm Bill in 2018, the cannabinoid um, uh, industry just exploded. So now there are about 3,000 3, yeah, 3, plus CBD companies out there. And there's a lot of things to know about hemp, about the use and processing of hemp and how to use it safely. What makes Charlotte Webb different? And, and I'd love to hear the, have the story shared as well. How did it get started? Well, that's like an hour's discussion. <laughs> Can you do it? Let's do the, the um, Cliff Notes version. Yeah. So hemp is a really cool plant. Um, it actually is a soil remediator so we know like if there's a lot of toxins, heavy metals, pesticides in the soil, the hemp plant will suck it up and kind of clean out the soil, which is really cool from a soil perspective, but no, like, applications could be so cool for that. Just as another yeah. one we don't have time for, but anyway, like, so only heavy metals. Like we all need to plant a lot of hemp, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's bad because you don't want to use that plant for you know, an extract because then you're going to also pull out all those solvents and toxins that it sucked up. Mm -hmm. So planting it organ in organic soil is really important if you're going to use it to make an extract. Um, and so where were we going with this? Um, <laughs> uh, so that's why testing of you know, testing. Testing the soil, testing yes. of the plant. So that's something that you want to make sure, first of all, if you're looking at one of these 3000 CBD manufacturers, make sure they're using organically grown hemp. Um, and so what Charlotte's Web does is we work with American Family Farms in uh, Colorado and Kentucky and Oregon, and we are giving them our own plant genetics because we have special plant genetics and they're growing our plants in completely organic uh, methods. And to date, we're about 90% USDA certified organic in the farming 
And so there's like 10% more that's not completely certified yet, but still you know, doing it. And we're in the process of also getting all of our manufacturing up to the code for, because when you put organic uh, certification on a label, it means like the manufacturing was organic, you know, every step of the process was organic. And so we're filling in all of those uh, blanks right now. And so we're soon going to be launching like an USD organic certified products, which we're really excited about. So you really wanna look for that on the label. You want to make sure that uh, the company is testing uh, not just the soil and water and the plants, but the whole manufacturing process. So when you're um, doing the extraction process, some people use solvents and you want to make sure they're not using toxic solvents. You want to make sure they're testing for solvents in the extraction uh, that they create. And you want to make sure they're testing for pesticides and uh, solvents heavy metals, um, and then microbiological things. Um, so we do the most extensive testing. There's no requirements in this industry, which makes it a little scary. We're kind of all doing it on our own. So we have just set you know, for our personal selves the highest standards possible. Um, and we hope that the whole industry follows that eventually. Um, but you wanna make sure that first of all, this product is doing no harm by you know, giving pesticides or giving something else into your system. And so the problem with all those 3000 companies is that they don't all have the finances to do that level of testing. It's very expensive to do that in every single batch. Um, so it might be nice, like you wanna support the little local company that makes it in their garage and you think that's really cool. Um, but the chances are that they aren't doing that level of testing. You don't really know what you're getting in the final product. Um, you also wanna make sure the in the testing, they're showing that they it does have the amount of CBD that you said that they say it has and that it doesn't have THC in it. And what are all the other compounds in there? Um, so it's really important to look for that. And some of the things you can look for on the labels are like the US Hemp Authority certification. They're a third party company um, that's like an industry association and they come in to a manufacturers and they, they audit you, they audit every single product and every stage of the manufacturing. And they're basically giving you that certification of like, yes, this company is doing what they said they're doing. Um, and so you can look for that on the packaging and that's kind of an easier way to find out instead of like having to research every single company and figure out what they're doing. Mm -hmm. um, you also wanna make sure that company will give you a certificate of analysis. And that's just a document that shows like all these tests were done, all those ones I listed. And so um, you can go to the Charlotte's web website and take your bottle, look at the lot number on the bottom, and you put it in uh, to the little open field there, type it in, and then voila, you get the certificate of analysis for that batch. And it shows you all the tests that they did and the phytocannabinoids and the CBD levels. Um, and that just gives you further reassurance that the product is you know, safe and clean and um, that you can use it. Fantastic. And so Charlotte's Web, you know, started here in Colorado, and it had a really beautiful beginning, um, you know, back when, was it right before or right after, or became the reason, I think, that we were able to start doing research on medicinal marijuana here as, you know, it's one of the things Colorado is well known for now, um, but it all started with the Stanley Brothers and Charlotte's Web. Yeah, so going back to around like 2012, 2013, um, before we were even a company, because uh, we've only been a company since like 2014, um, there was a little girl named Charlotte Figgy, and uh, she 
very, very young age, like in infancy, started to develop seizures. Uh, she turns out she had a very rare genetic disease called Dravet syndrome. And there is like nonstop seizures. She was having like 300 a week. Um, so it, that's really intense for a small child, especially. Um, and of course it really interfered with her development. And they were very severe seizures to the point where, you know, she almost died several times and um, none of the medications were working. Uh, some tractable epilepsy and they tried everything. And so her mom was pretty desperate after a while um, because the doctors weren't able to help her. So she took it in her own hands. And so she started doing some research, you know, just like I did. And she found all this research, especially out of Israel, um, that showed that CBD could be helpful for seizures or cannabis. And so, you know, being in Colorado, she was lucky. She lived in Colorado Springs. And so, you know, people were growing cannabis at that time. And so she started, you know, asking around, trying to find some CBD because she didn't, you know, want to get her child high. She just wanted to help with the seizures. And it, it, people weren't really growing for CBD at that time. You know, they were growing marijuana to get high. They, you know, and so not many people were, you know, thinking about that. Um, but she did eventually run into the Stanley brothers through mutual networking and found out that they were growing this cannabis, which was really high in CBD and very low in THC. And they were doing it also for medicinal purposes. They were just kind of experimenting with it. And um, it was funny because they called that plant hippies disappointment because it didn't get people high. And people I, are, I, are this? <laughs> I have that conversation a lot in my office when I'm recommending these products. I'm like, so I'm like, no, no, they won't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, they were a little hesitant, of course, to give this to Charlotte because she was like a very young child and they really didn't have any experience with it. But eventually, you know, they saw the desperation and they were just like, okay, we have to try this. And lo and behold, the stuff worked like almost immediately and her seizures stopped. And, you know, they were kind of all in disbelief and thought it was a fluke, but, you know, over time it just kept consistently happening. And so um, it saved Charlotte's life. And then that's when uh, Sanjay Gupta from CNN, the medical reporter there, got wind of this and he was real anti pot guy, you know, really down on marijuana. And so he was like, well, I want to go debunk this story. I'm going to go look into it. And he came out and he met Charlotte Figgy and her mom Paige and the Stanley brothers. And, you know, he's blown away. He was just like, this is the most incredible story. So they actually created a documentary on it called weed. And in there they interviewed all the brothers and showed their farming and, um, really explained how the brothers got into this really just to help people. And that was always their initial mission. They were never really out to start a company. So um, people watch this on TV and they all around the country and they're like, oh my gosh, I have to get this for my family member who has the same problem. And so they started flocking to Colorado and they were like refuge medical refugees um, because they couldn't buy this anywhere else. They had to come to Colorado. And so Paige, the mom, started trying to help all these families and they didn't really have full-scale production to make anything. So all these families chipped in with farming as farmhands and helped the brothers grow this stuff and make it because they all needed it. 
and the brothers were, you know, they were just good hiring people that wanted to help. And so they were practically giving it away and they weren't making any money. And so Paige just sat them down and said, you know, um, if you're going to keep helping people, you're going to have to figure out how to do this, make it financially, you know, suitable. You can't, mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to do this forever. And so then, you know, eventually like after 2014 ish, they started a company and they're like, okay, we need to do really buckle down and make this work. And so then they started producing CBD and they were pretty much like one of the very first people in this country to start doing that. And from that it blossomed the CBD industry, which now has 3000 companies. <laughs> so that's pretty amazing that they are the pioneers of this ginormous industry that's just growing so fast. And that it was all based on like trying to help people for the right, you know, it was all for the right reasons, which I love. Oh, I love it. I didn't know that part about everyone coming and working on the farm and, and having it be this really commune, commune kind of thing. And, you know, Colorado has such a rich, rich history of sort of being this medical refugee kind of place, going back to tuberculosis and taking in the vapors and the air is here. It's just it's one of the things I love about my state. And yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, there's some great stories about like all the families, they, they moved here and they couldn't necessarily afford to do that. So like people would take them in and help them and they would have campfires at night and all hang out and kind of just, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like a hippie thing. Everybody came and created this new community and all helped each other because they all were kind of in the same boat. So it really yeah. it it does take that history of hippies and put it back into this commune of helping rather than the just getting high. So I like that yeah. hippies disappointment. Um, and Charlotte and she, um, Charlotte uh, lived for, for quite a few years after that. I know she passed just recently. Yeah, um, passed last year, um, we think from COVID, um, the whole family was sick. It was really early on mm -hmm. and um, you know, her little body just and handle one more assault but yeah seizure wise she was doing really well um and it was just a really tragic loss for everyone but obviously we named the company after her um so her legacy continues on and then then the strain that was helping her at the time charlotte's web which is a beautiful name yeah wonderful um so i think you know, we talk about, and we talked about this at the beginning, like how much there is to cover. And I, I think what I'm, I'm going to do, put you on the spot right now, is that this is just part one. Now, we, we talked about the endocannabinoid system and the history and where it came from, but, you know, so much of the webinars that we've done together in the past have done about application and usage, mm -hmm. and we hardly touched that at all, and yet here we are at the top of our hour. Can we do and you have some great stories to share clinically too, which I think would be a great podcast. So, well, so maybe we'll, we'll do a co-interviewing of each other for the next one and we'll share some of the, the things that we've experienced here in my office and, and what your research shows as well. I love that idea. Sounds fun. All right, perfect. So stay tuned for part two, but not like right now, it's coming later. And <laughs> we'll talk about uh, uses and application for various um, cannabinoids whether you're taking it internally or topically, there's different uses and things that you can do with it. But hopefully now we can dispel a lot of mystery and uh, a lot of misconceptions around this system and around something that's gotten a, a bad rap for quite some time and still has a little bit of um, a counterculture edge to it. Um, and you have a way for your patients to buy it, right? 
Yeah, we do. So, so we sell uh, Charlotte's Web. This is my preferred um, brand of CBD. I sell Charlotte's Web in my office, both um, topically and orally. And, you know, you can buy Charlotte's Web in a lot of different locations as it is legal, um, largely across the country. Um, I know that one of my favorite places to get my, my healthy foods and my healthy um, uh, shelf-stable stock is Thrive Market, and you guys are on Thrive Market as well. I mean, it's just, uh, you, the, the company has done wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and we have a website too. Yes. Yeah. So, so, and where can we, where can they find Charlotte's Web? Where can they find more information on Charlotte's Web? Yeah, the charlottesweb.com is a really great resource. We've really built up our educational library. So if you want to learn more about specific phytocannabinoids or how to, you know, what you want to know about CBD and endocannabinoid system, there's a lot of good articles there. And then of course you can buy our products there. And we always have a lot of promotional things going on too. So sign up for the email blasts and you can stay in touch with that or you can just stop by Carly's office and pick it up there. Come visit me. Um, and I was going to say, if you can't wait for our next episode, Charlotte's Web has done an amazing job of accumulating research and information and compiled it all into, it's called the Realm of Caring. Yes. Uh, and is that linked on the website as well? Yes. So realmofcaring.com is a really great resource for education and they're a nonprofit organization. We do, we're one of the companies that helps support them and they give out free uh, clinical advice, things that I can't talk about, um, you can call them and they will actually tell you like how much to take for this particular condition. Um, And that was started by the Stanley brothers and Paige, uh, Charlotte's mom, right in the beginning because of all these people coming in who needed help, they finally decided to create a nonprofit organization so they could help more people. Um, And so we are one of their supporters, um, but they give out great advice and they're doing research as well. Wonderful. Oh, awesome. Well, I know that we could keep going, but we will, we will record again. Jen, Dr. Jen, thank you so much for joining us and sharing all this phenomenal information. And it's always so good to talk to you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Cool. Well, thank you all for joining and listening and we'll catch you next time for our next episode of the Healing Ground Movement. Be well. <laughs>